Welcome, everybody, to the Not Funny Guys Presents Why, exploring the philosophy, rhetoric, and cultural impact of the MCU. I am your host, Dr. John, and this week I am joined by one of my best friends and the host of the Not Funny Guys Presents Off the Reels, Casey. And we are here to discuss WandaVision. Just to remind everybody, this folks, that this is an extension of our main podcast, The Not Funny Guys Presents Off the Reels, where we explore the films. And here we will explore some of the ideas that stick out and have some debate, discussion about it, and all that fun stuff, starting with asking the question, why? This is episode 16, Processing Grief in WandaVision. And as always, we're going to start with some comic book origins here. So let's start with some of our characters and talk about their relationship, particularly about where they were and where they came from in the comic books. And we're going to start first with Agatha Harkness. Now, is she is a powerful witch, just like in WandaVision, and she is connected to Wanda, but in the comic book, she was Wanda's friend and teacher, not an adversary. She did survive the Salem witch trials, went on to serve as a protector to Franklin Richard, son of the Mr. Fantastic and Sue Storm, and first appeared in Fantastic Four number 94 in 1970. She was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, and she is considered to be one of the strongest users of magic in the entire Marvel Universe. Some say even more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. Now, Monica Rambeau. This was originally a character created by Roger Stern and John Romita Jr. She first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 16 in 1982. She actually gained her powers by being bombarded by extra-dimensional radiation energy produced from an energy disruptor weapon, eventually joined the Avengers, and has had several different identities. Um, and apparently, was according to Roger Stern, was originally modeled off Pam Greer. Uh, from the 1970s. Uh, she, of course, first appeared as Captain Marvel in Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 16. That was in 1982. She later appeared as the Photon in Avengers Unplugged number 5 in 1996, Pulsar in the New Thunderbolts number 9 in 2005, and as Spectrum in the Mighty Avengers number 1, 2013. We also have with us two other characters we have william billy maximoff and tommy maximoff now both of these boys were physical characters in the comic books who actually were reincarnated from wanda's um shall we say very similar to the tv show uh conjuring of them as children of her and vision in the comic books billy um who also has another name, but I'm just going to call him Billy Maximoff, uh, was known as superhero Wiccan and is a member of the Young Avengers, created by Alan Heilberg and Jim Chang. He first appeared in Young Avengers number one in 2005. Like I said, he is a reincarnation of one of the sons of Wanda and Vision, a twin, has the powers like his mother with magic, powerful magical abilities, is also an openly gay character who is married to a teammate from the Young Avengers Hulkling. Uh, Tommy Maximoff, known as Speed, is the twin of Billy Maximoff and a member of the Young Avengers. He was created also by Alan Heilberg and Jim Chang, and he first uh, has the powers, of course, of his maternal uncle, Quicksilver, and first appeared in a Young Avengers number 10 in 2016. Sorry, 2006, corrected. Now, also, we have director Tyler Hayward, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you folks, he didn't exist in the comic books. He is purely in a creation of the MCU. 
but they do have him as the leader of sword so what is sword so if we are this is a comic book creation as well the organization stands for sentient weapons observation and response department it is a sort of counter counterterrorism and intelligence agency counterpart to shield that focuses on extraterrestrial threats it was introduced in Astonishing X-Men Volume 3, Number 6, created by Joss Whedon and John Cassidy in 2004. Um, they are based out of their space station, The Peak, which I am assuming we will see a version of this in the Marvels. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about how this has changed for the MCU. Of course, the main change is that Hayward is an invention and Agatha is a enemy, not a friend. That's all I'm going to say about that. Now, for our topic of discussion, something that I found fascinating when I was watching WandaVision is this idea of how do we process grief? Um, and in my own therapy, and I will share this with everybody here, I once had this discussion with my therapist, and it was fascinating that she brought to my attention that grief is not a linear progression through five stages as we commonly know it. Oftentimes, that linear progression goes both ways. It's the idea that you can move from, say, denial to anger and then to bargaining and then go back to anger. It's not a straight through process. In fact, um, Gianna Amato in an article titled WandaVision Analysis of Trauma and Grief notes that in the end, WandaVision is about healing and moving on from these traumas with hope of what future has to offer. And she actually walks through the several stages here. She says, in denial, we see this in Wanda's projection and use of those classic television shows, things like I Love Lucy, Bewitched, Dick Van Dyke Show, um, and things of that nature. We also see these in the shows of one thing in common. They are all lighthearted. Uh, they have a conflict that is resolved at the end of the episode, very low stakes. So that's part of her denial. The anger is the idea that in a lot of ways, life has been cruel to Wanda. And that the people of Westview, who she has unintentionally taken prisoner in her own to, in her town to see her once again as a villain. Uh, there is a specific scene that is referenced here that even Monica says, don't let Hayward be the villain. This is uh, Monica Rambo talking to her, to which Wanda replies, maybe I am already. Or maybe, I'm sorry, maybe I am already. I already am. And it's from Breaking the Fourth Wall. With bargaining, we have the idea, particularly in a very special on a very special episode when we are set in the 1980s, when she talks to her boys and I'm trying, she says, I'm trying to tell you that there are rules in life, okay? This is her reasoning for not bringing Sparky back to life. Um, and in an interesting way, she's speaking indirectly uh, because she knows deep down that that what she is doing in Westview is, just a bandage over her own wounds. So she again here is bargaining. Of course, depression really comes out as we move into some of the later episodes where the one where we see her talking directly to the camera, she's not really taking care of herself. She's staying in bed. This happens after our Halloween spectacular. Um, and there's a lot of apathy going on. And then finally we reach acceptance. And this is when, of course, she reaches the acceptance of the identity of the Scarlet Witch, comes in the final act uh, where we travel back and we actually sort of have agatha taking her on a therapy session through her own identity and of course she is then able to sort of process these things into a new identity in many ways and despite having said goodbye to her family she actually in a lot of ways hasn't given up on them and there is that line that vision tells her in one of her flashbacks about what is grief if not love persevering 
So what I want to say and what I want to ask my my co-host Casey here is what ways does WandaVision serve as a means for us to better understand how we process grief? And I want to hear your thoughts on this, Casey. What do you think here? What do you think about your interpretation of how this show appears to try to help understand the way we process grief? I, th I think it does um, a good job of not just showing like the different stages of grief, but also how different people grieve differently. Because Monica is grieving for her mom mm -hmm. and, and is very angry with her grief, particularly when um, Carol gets brought up, Captain Marvel gets brought up. Exactly. You she have, empathizes with Wanda, but she shows anger towards Carol. Yeah. You've got um, Vision, obviously, trying to cope, but he doesn't understand what's going on. As he starts to figure out, he's dealing with a weird, like, um, internal grief for himself and for what's happened in a strange way. Um, by the time he starts to well, piece his, together. His, his grief is for a loss of uh, identity in a lot of ways. He doesn't have one outside of, he has no past. And to, to the one that's inside the, the hex with Wanda, in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. has no conceptualization of what he was beforehand. So a lot of his grief is coming to realize that the life he thinks he has is incomplete. Right. And um, Wanda, well, the the kids the kids have a double have their own grief because of Sparky. So they get yes. we see experience them dealing with a small set of grief. Wanda is dealing with not where you think the show's going. She's dealing with the grief of just Vision. But then we discover she actually is dealing with not just Vision, but the Vision death is bringing up grief for her brother. And so she has to deal with that as well. So it's, it's, it's really, and yeah, it's very layered. So they're all dealing with it in different ways. Wanda's clearly in denial um, for most of the show, um, which is, is just, it's fascinating to watch her go through that. And it's a tiny tangent on to Hawkeye. That is also, could just finish oh, that. Yeah. That is also a show that has, that deals with a lot of grief. Um, and so it actually pairs fairly well with this um and just have that little bit of discussion well, that's good i don't actually plan on talking about grief in terms of hawkeye but i think that's also a good similarity i think that because in a lot of ways and, and even in falcon and winter soldier which i'll be mm -hmm. speaking about that in yeah. the podcast but all of these are coming in the aftermath of endgame so yeah. there has been a a major event for which these are the this is the fallout you know in certain yeah. ways with there's wanda's there's the fallout of there being no Captain America. In fact, Falcon and mm -hmm. Winter Soldier, Hawkeye is literally having the grief over trying to put his life back together and have it, but then realizing that, you know, he really does miss Natasha. Yeah, there's you a know, whole him bunch and, of Him and Yelena have that shared. Yeah, yeah in that last yeah. episode, him and Yelena have that really big, like, I miss her too. Um, and even and Kate and her mom going are missing through. her dad. Even yeah. Kate and her mom are missing her dad. Mm -hmm. Yolanda is like full on in just denial mode, but she's hit with the double whammy of not to, does she just lose her sister? She also lost five years of her life. Yes. And she, she comes is... back. And so it's this she, whole, she's actually, she feels very wrapped up in anger to be quite honest for mm -hmm. most of it. Like she's trying to mask her own anger, but she is directing it purely at Clint, even though yeah. he is not a hundred percent deserving of it. 
Right. Um, what's fascinating with this, with the, with those three shows, this whole phase, the beginning of this phase, with the exception of Loki and um, what if? I would say Loki even deal, talks about grief in some ways. Well, you're or right because he has for to, himself. He, he has for himself. To... You're right. So really, the exception is what if. Mm-hmm. And there's episodes in What If that are all about grief, for sure. Well, um, can, the finishing, I'll, I'll, I, have a, I have a side bit, but go ahead. Yeah, as I say, the Doctor Strange one is definitely about grief. Um, but the big, this whole beginning of this phase seems to be all about grief. And how do we deal with, how, do the, how are these heroes dealing with grief? And it's really fascinating. That's why Marvel, I think, always is so good in the comics, because they try to humanize everything. And bring mm-hmm. it to where all the readers could understand and relate to a character in one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, we've all had someone who's died. Um, I've had I've had lots of deaths this year. My dad died at the beginning of the year. My uncle died a couple of weeks ago. I had two cats die like a week apart um, this summer. And so like this rewatching these shows hits differently this time around because of um, the events that have happened uh, yeah. to me. So it is, it's refreshing to see, even though they're all fictional characters, everyone's a fictional character in this, um, it, but it's refreshing to see that like, you're not alone. Like these heroes yeah. that you see and you read about, they experience the same things and they're dealing with it too. Some ways in the same ways um, as me, some ways not. Um, I tried to create a hex to bring the people back, but didn't work out quite <laughs> right. I did ended up actually altering an election. I don't even know how it happened, but it was very weird. It was in the past. Anyway. Um, so yeah, it's the TVA is coming for you later. Don't the worry. T- the TVA is coming, but I, I can understand because of everything that's happened to me. I totally get, and I understand where Wanda came from with what she did. Uh, granted, I'm in the belief that she did it by accident. It was a complete subconscious. It just happened. Yeah, I agree. And then she realized that she's like, I like this feeling and I'm going to stick with it. Um, it was intoxication of power and getting what she wanted for once. I mean, she's literally yeah. someone who is who has taken a kick in the face her whole life. And it's kind of like a selfish indulgence. Like for once, mm-hmm. it's it's going my way. I think it's the kids. I think if the kids didn't appear in the show, I think she probably would have given it up sooner. But the kids were that moment of this was something she wanted and she did it with the person she loved. And if she, if without him, she couldn't have had this and like you tear it mm. down, she'll lose everything she wants. Um, it, it's a really fascinating show. I really appreciate what they did. And like I said, I like that we see different people grieving in different ways. It wasn't just, we're going to focus on this one person and then we're going to turn them into a bad guy. Because they totally try to make her seem like she's the villain of the show. They blur the because line. she's grieving, grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, now but people do fast... insane things when they grieve. That's the thing, though. There's an empathy to that. I know. You know I, I think. Do, I, I think. I think. I think Monica's role is crucial in the fact that mm-hmm. her willingness to empathize and like she's been in that hole. You know, remember that line? Remember that talk that Leo McGarry gives Josh Lyman and, and West Wing where he mm-hmm. talks, he gives him the metaphor about digging the hole and the guy's trapped in the hole and the other guy jumps down there in with him and he says, what are you doing? He says, don't worry, I know the way out. I've been here before. Yeah. I feel like that's what Monica's position is for to Wanda. 
Mm-hmm. She's serving as that person who's trying to help her out by saying, look, I understand this. I get it. I've been here. You well, know? I mean, and not and, and to, to your point of people do some bad things when they're grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what when we get to sh- when the main podcast, when we get to Shang-Chi, the villain yeah. of that is doing it because he lost his wife. It is all yeah. it is the dark side of grief. And now and I mean, we're going to experience the dark side of grief again with wanda when we get to dr strange yeah and i mean we're really going to get to the dark side of grief in that instance well they, they think about this line think about the line that vision said what is grief if not love persevering they're literally talking about things that can kind of make you crazy grief right. and love can mm-hmm. make you crazy and by the way speaking of grief um i speak to i will speak to this personally but watching what if when it first came out and listening to the last performance of chad chadwick boseman yeah, that was a moment of grief for me because that made me remember that he had lo- he was no longer with us. Yeah, so you have to process those things. Well, it's know? like um, Wakanda Forever. That yes. movie came out on digital right after Dad died, and so like I watched it first when Dad was still alive, and it hit me one way because I was sad for Chadwick. Watching mm-hmm. it the second time, right after Dad died, I'm slammed with the feelings of missing my own father. And so yeah. now I'm part of this. And then you're still sad for Chadwick. Yeah. Um, and that is another one. That again, we'll talk about when we get to the main one, but that's another one where everyone in that movie is dealing with grief in a different way. You have everyone in a different stage and a different coping mechanism. Yeah. Um, and the film itself is like a processing factor. For mm-hmm. that. I mean, that's one of the things about fiction that I think people underappreciate is the idea that just because it's fictional doesn't, in a sense, make it real for you. Yeah. It has an ability to reach out of the screen because it's a story. We we live our lives through the stories we tell. And so when we tell a story like this, regardless of whether it's quote unquote a real event, what it's depicting and showing us is our real emotions and real coping and real they are you know projections of things that are real that we can mm-hmm. all, th- all all of us empathize and identify with. You know, that's why we love these stories so much. Yeah. Is Miss Marvel the first one that's not about grief? It might be. I'll have to double check on that one when we get to it. But I mean, you can um, make an argument that there is some. It's more of a coming of age. It's more of a coming of age story. I think it's the first one because most of the rest of the phase is about grief in some way or another. Um, mm-hmm. which is really fascinating for Marvel to go that route. Um, they're digging themselves this dark hole that they're gonna have to get out of at some point. Well, I don't you know, Moon Knight has a bit of that going on too. Moon Knight has a little, and Eternal does because yeah, that's, definitely. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm like, I think Miss yeah, Marvel is trying the first to work my way. <laughs> really, I didn't. hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought um, about that, but yeah, like I said, most of them, most of them are very She Hulk doesn't. But that's a way to get to She Hulk. Yeah, but but yeah, so, and, they're, they're, they're coming out. They're coming out the and, acceptance side at that point. And Thor: Love and Thunder is holy oh, yeah. snapple about grief. <laughs> like uh, anyway, sorry, yes. I didn't mean to derail. But it's no, just no, interesting no, it's looking I mean, at this that this whole phase four and a little into phase five now seem to be or at least phase four for sure is primarily about grief and a lot of it is dealing with the events of Endgame. Yeah. But enough and then obviously and the, blip, takes, and the blip, you know, and the, and the return. 
But as I say, and Black Panther takes the one step away from those two because mm-hmm. it's about, I mean, that's just the tragic loss of an actor and yeah. then they wrote it into the story. Um, but yeah, the, the first phase, um, good for Marvel. I don't think I realized it until just now that we're talking about it, but that's really impressive that they, they were like, we're going to do it and we're going to talk about here's, grief and, and run. Here's with a it. real, here's a real tangent. Do you think this is why people don't like phase four so much? I bet you it is now that we've kind of unconsciously, I think on an unconscious level, it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. You're always going to be uncomfortable every time you watch it because you know someone who has passed because I don't buy the arguments that it's because these are characters people are unfamiliar with because most of these characters like that we love are characters no one was familiar with for the most part. And so they learn to love them. Um, God, even the Spider-Mans are are oh, yeah, about yeah. it. God. Um, yeah, far, I far from you... home, far from home and no way home, very much so. No way home mm. actually leaves you with grief. Whereas yeah. Far From Home is a processing story about Tony Stark. Yeah. I I think you're onto it. I think that it might actually be why people are down on Marvel right now, is because it hasn't been there's been nothing uplifting except for mm-hmm. for the most part, Miss Marvel. Well, and also think about the fact that when a lot of this transpires was in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were hit with a real world situation. Yeah. So it's interesting to see these things as we move away from that. Maybe that allows us as an audience to better process what they were trying to say, because the real world was very much intruding through most of this. Most of this yeah. stuff was coming out either in 2020 or 2021. So we were still wrapped up. Do you think that's why Thor Love and Thunder got more people going like, eh, like Ragnarok better? Because I, to me, this movie's just as fun. That movie is just as funny as Ragnarok. And in some ways, it's funnier than Ragnarok. But then you are slapped in the face multiple times in that movie with grief. Oh, like yeah. Because it's the beginning, it's the end, like all of it is there becomes tearjerker moments, particularly if you're a parent, there's a lot of tearjerker oh, yeah. moments. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you think that subconsciously is why people are like, oh, I like Ragnarok better? It's funnier, but really, it's not that it's funnier. Yeah. It's well, It didn't make you feel. It maybe. left you I with mean, a, a I comedy think, versus this was a dark I, comedy. I think there's an argument to be made there. I mean, I think there's a lot of psychoanalysis that probably has to be done, too. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's worth exploring. I mean, we should put a pin in this idea here, this idea about this elements of phase four coming out in the wake of and in the midst of that pandemic and how mm-hmm. these elements played a role in perhaps shaping people's perceptions, I mm-hmm. think is worth an argument, perhaps worth exploring in the future, because we're not done with any of this, folks. We're literally just touching the beginning right here in WandaVision. Yeah. We are literally previewing a lot more to come. We should so, we should um, take a note for ourselves as we progress through the, the off the reels portion on like hint like commenting on look yep this one ha- there's the grief moment and see if I'm right that Miss Marvel is the pretty much the only one until She Hulk. Yeah, we should um, we should definitely put a pen and and keep and take a note on that one. Yeah, and so um so uh, any final thoughts about WandaVision? So we won't linger too long here. Um, I I like. I, obviously, if you listen to the other one, I like WandaVision um, quite a bit. What I want to, what I will say for a final thought, touching on the grief thing, I'm really proud of Marvel for doing this show. It was, it was a leap 
of faith for them, not just because of the grief part, but because of everything else with the show. I mean, it was stepping away from the norms for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but kudos for sticking with the grief piece. And I would say on the grief side alone, you stuck the landing. You showed us the characters dealing with it and processing it and trying to move along with their own lives and with their own stories, um, some ways better than others. But that's how grief really is to people. It is better in some ways for some people, or I wouldn't want to say better. It's easier for some people. Yes. Um, Everybody does it differently. Yeah. And I appreciate Marvel a lot for doing that, for showing that um, in the show. Whereas a lot of things wouldn't want to go that far, particularly with characters that that have become this beloved and people just want to see them doing cool things. Mm -hmm. Kudos for them for taking that brave step um and helping people process their own their own grief and um, yeah. see that you're not alone so um i really I, appreciate I, that showcase. i think it's probably one of their very best constructed tv shows for disney plus it really is one of the best yeah um they haven't all been the best but i think this is up there in that higher echelon um this and like the loki season one are kind of like the highest ranking for me right now but i think that's because close and moon knight's going to be close too because i like moon knight a lot too yeah Um, i think it's because these this one and loki had the longest time to cook before they mm -hmm. were made i i think where falcon and uh moon knight will get hit and dinged will be they filmed during covid and they had to take hiatuses and stuff and that that affects no matter what you can't get around yeah. that um and it can affect pacing and stuff but uh, no it's, it's good stuff good stuff good stuff yeah so this has been great and then like i said i i am a massive fan i think this is one of my favorites so folks tell us what you think we want to hear your thoughts tell us you can write us at the not fun i'm sorry not funny guys dot off the reels at gmail.com you can hit us on instagram at not underscore funny underscore guys underscore presents over on twitter at the at not funny guys pod and at blues guys at the not funny guys so, folks, until next time, uh, which to say next time we will be talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier in the next one. And we'll be talking about uh, I'm going to be talking about racial disparity because I am fascinated by exploring the Isaiah um, storyline, Isaiah Bradley storyline inside of that and how that affects. So keep an eye out for that one coming soon. Until next time, folks, stay strange and keep asking questions. <laughs>